What's up, guys? What's going on? I'm Paul. This is Pauline Theology, and uh, we are going through the book of Genesis, and we're on Genesis chapter 25, 27 through 34. We are uh, quickly moving. Like I said, uh, I think it was the last episode that uh, this is more of the story of Jacob and Esau and their family rather than it's Isaac. Isaac has a brief little part. Well, we're already moving into Jacob and Esau. Uh, we get that that famous story of the birthright that we're about to, to talk about today. So if you haven't checked that out, go ahead and read 25, uh, Genesis 25, 27 through 34. Stop the tape, check it out, see what it has to say. And if you uh, have read, then... Let's jump on into it, man. What's the scripture saying? What's the author conveying? Uh, what's he actually saying here um, in Genesis? Well, it says that uh, the kids grew up. It says they got big, man. And then it says um, what they did is that Esau was a game hunter. He was a big game hunter, man. He could hunt. He could catch. He can get food. And it says Jacob was a homebody. That He, he just chilled, really, um, in the tent. And it says that Isaac loved uh, Esau because he liked to eat. <laughs> and then it said that uh, Rebekah loved Jacob. And then it tells the story that uh, Jacob was, was cooking some food, man. And he was making some, some stew. And Esau came out from the field, man, from, from hunting, and he was hungry. He was famished, man. He was tired. He was weary. And so he uh, asked Jacob, he was like, man, he's like, let me gulp up some of that food you got there, bro. And um, the reason I say gulp up is because they said that the word there that is used for eat is like swallow or to devour. It's like an insatiable amount of hunger that he wants to do, uh, wants to have to eat this food. I guess he like, I guess the word famished was correct when they used it. But he's like, let me eat some of that red stuff you got there, man. And uh, it's funny because then he's like, that's why they call his name Edom. <laughs> it's like, you know, them, them, home, them homeboys get their names from what they do. They get nicknames because uh, of, of what they do or how they act. And so they call him Edom, which means red, because he's like, man, he he wanted to eat that red stuff up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> because he wanted to eat that red stuff up. But I think it's also tied to the fact that it was the red stuff that he lost his birthright. And so because of that, they call him Edom, which it's kind of stinks, you know, to have a name like that, to be called by something you did bad. But it's what you do, man. It's it's your life. So a uh, real quick note, man, make sure you, that that your life you live is, is uh, in such a way that the nickname they give you gives you honor rather than dishonor. Because now if you think about Edom, you're thinking about the fact that he sold his birthright for some red stuff. Instead, you know, you could have a name where it means like uh, like Israel, man. You know, it's like that's we're going to read about that later. It says struggle with God and win. That's that or not win, but struggle with God and be blessed. Right. The one who struggles with God, one who wrestles with God. Uh, that's what that's what Jacob ends up being, even though his name is Deceiver. We didn't even talk about that, but I'm, 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 going, I'm going way off. If you guys want to hear anything about that, just let me know, put it in the comments. But anyway, then uh, Jacob was like, OK, if you want some of this food, go ahead and sell me your birthright. And he's like, dude, I don't even care about that birthright. I'm about to die, dude. He's like, I'm so hungry. I could die right now. And so he was like, okay, if that's true, swear to me right now. And he says he swore, 
And so he gave him some of that stew. He gave him some some lentil stew. And it says that uh, Esau ate, he drank, he rose, he left. Like uh, it's, they say, the the way that this literary words come together, all those verbs that he did this all quickly. How quickly this transpired, and then it says right after that that Esau despised his birthright. It's like uh, he he treated it as nothing when it is one of the most important things to have. He he counted. Uh, whatever it was, the, the pleasures, the sensations uh, of now rather than the blessing and the birthright or the the wonder of what is to come. Hmm. And so uh, what's this uh, saying about, what's this say about God? What's the story saying about God? Well, it, it says that he's sovereign because this is the prophecy that he spoke to Rebecca when she sought him in the matter of this problem with her pregnancy. Uh, he said that the younger would, uh, or the older would serve the younger. And this is moving in this way because what the birthright represents was the, the uh, fact that he is the firstborn and everything that happens, uh, everything that is supposed to transpire for him because he is the firstborn. See, actually, in, in the Hebrew, birthright me is like almost the same word. It's a, 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 a similar sounding word as as firstborn. It's bakar. And so it's saying like what he's getting is all the rights of being the firstborn. That's what Jacob is getting. He is supplanting uh, Esau. And so God is 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 doing this sovereignly in control. But the reason I, I mention it as being sovereign control is because it's 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 um Jacob connivingly getting this way. You know what I mean? It's like uh God is even though it is um conniving and deceitful, this is the way in which God is using um his his wrongdoing in order to make his purposes complete. And so it's, it's God sovereignly moving. And in the application, we'll talk about that because I think it has high, high implications. And we'll actually see God sovereignly moving through people's sin in a lot of ways as we continue reading through Genesis because God is able to, to use um, evil for good. Um, that's what's amazing about God is the fact that he can use what's broken in this world to make things great. What's it say about man? Um, well, I, I just think here about the favoritism of each is that it's just tough, man. Like it says that Rebecca loved Jacob and Esau and uh, Isaac loved Esau. And it, it's just tough to have favoritism. We're going to see it play out as we continue to read this saga of Jacob and Esau, it's, it's going to play out and it's going to be tough. And so I just wanted to speak on the, excuse me. I just wanted to speak on the fact that uh, favoritism is tough and that it could, it could hurt families and it has hurt this family. And we'll see that. But I also think that as man is that um, we got to recognize that there's more things that are important than having our uh, um, lusts or our pleasures fulfilled now. 
especially in the society that we live in where we are a microwave society, where we want everything done instantly. We want everything done to happen right now, fast, in a hurry. Let's get it. Because there is an importance to holding to uh, the things of the future, that there is an importance to things that there is more important things than our pleasures right now. So how do we apply these uh, uh, things to our lives? The fact that God is sovereign and that there's more important things to our life than now. Well, I think it's important to realize that in every situation, God is in control. Even when it seems difficult and hard for us, or it seems like the world is crashing down or or they're in total uh, uh, animosity against us, is that God, if you are walking in his truth, living according to his way, uh, that these things will work together. It's easy to say, though. It's easy to just spout that off. But the truth is that's a promise that he has made, is that he is in control and that he will uh, allow things to work out for our good. Uh, and so that sovereignty is just an important thing to trust in. And that's one thing that we want to do here is, is help you to trust in Jesus more. And so that is why we read the scriptures. That's why we, we ask, what does the scriptures say about him? We ask, uh, is it showing his faithfulness? Because if we see his faithfulness to his promise, if we see his sovereignty over all situations, and we begin to trust in those things, and that allows us to get through those difficult times. And then when we see the purposes behind them, then we realize it's, it's for our good. And when I say for our good, it means that we will look more like Christ, that we will be more righteous, more holy, and more perfect to the image that God had originally created us to be and that we had fallen from. It says we fall short from that image, but God is moving in every way in his sovereignty and in his faithfulness to restore that image in us that we might look like him once again. So I hope that encourages you today that if you're going through something or struggling through something, that we should be trusting in him because he is faithful. He is in control. He's sovereign. He has all power and all wisdom. And so he moves these things in order for us to become what we once were. And that is what I'm waiting on. So I thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.